everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 531, Super Bowl Reaction. Give me that octopus. Big Chillians, and welcome back to the Big Chill Podcast. I'm Frank, joined as always with Eddie, who is alive and 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 awake, despite having to watch a Super Bowl that lasted probably until four in the morning. Yeah, it was about four thirty <laughs> when it finished up, but now I'm feeling surprisingly fresh today. And it's not the Super Bowl itself that was draining; it was just the full four days. Like Saturday was the most draining. <laughs> With the six knee. Well, is that, are you taking part of media Pretty day much, and yeah. everything? Is that what you're Pretty much. <laughs> Feels like I played in about three Super Bowls based on, but yeah, I mean, Saturday was the longest day because <laughs> I was out from the Chelsea West Ham lunchtime kickoff in the Premier League. And so left the, I left my house at one in the afternoon and got back to my house at 6.30 in the morning. So, yeah. Wow. And rare for me that it was a night that involved going to a place I'd never been to before as a, someone who was very much a, a creature of habits. Uh, this was Babs, one of our favorite bartenders in Paris. When the night finished up at the bar where he works, he invited us to this uh, African restaurant to eat. So we went at three in the morning to a restaurant that's open from <laughs> 8 a night to 8 a.m. every day. You have to... Uh, it's like the, the, there's no signs that there's a restaurant there. You have to ring the doorbell and they have a camera and they look at you and pay. So it's to someone's house. No, no, it's a restaurant, <laughs> but they decide, they then decide whether or not, I guess if you're too drunk or whatever, if they want to let you in. And, uh, so we had to stay there, got let in the four of us. You go inside. How was the food? It was good. It was grilled chicken, grilled fish, rice, you know, plantain, like nice. pretty simple, but, but really nice stuff. And on the walls, I mean, it seems like it's a place that a lot of celebrities go to. There was Snoop Dogg on the walls from when he was when he had eaten there. Like a lot of rappers, I'll say. Uh, wow. Ice tea, like a, a but. You felt right yeah, at home. I could tell they. I'm surprised they didn't take my picture. Did you ask for a mic? <laughs> let me let me let me freestyle you, this. Do real you know quick. that you've got a a podcast host here? <laughs> I can take a picture too if you'd like. <laughs> You're, you're you're dining with the Prince of Paris here. I don't know if yeah. you know, <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to pull the LeBron James. Start really just referring to myself like that. Maybe do the little uh, little crown gesture whenever I arrive in a place. Put the crown on yourself. Yeah. But no, it was it was a f- especially when people were booing yeah. you. That's a bold move. <laughs> but no, it was it was a fun fun weekend. Yeah, and a fun Super Bowl. Really good Super Bowl. I, I I think I think we're starting to get a little spoiled that most of the Super Bowls lately have been pretty close. Because I remember when I was younger, there were a blowouts handful of Super Bowls that were just blowouts. Yeah. And over the past, I'd say five or so years, most of them now have been pretty. Close. Yeah, I mean, in recent history, I'd say we've only really had two blowouts. Right? There was the Seahawks, Broncos. That was the Seahawks, right? When the Seahawks beat yeah. them like forty-five-seven or whatever it was, and that ga- that game was over in a hurry, and then the the Buccaneers Chiefs was a blowout. Chiefs, yeah, 
But no, for the most part, yeah, that wasn't the best. And and look, overall as a podcast, I think a lot of the tips we came up with came oh. through. Uh, the octopus came through, which I've subsequently. I can't believe the octopus came, came in. That was amazing. And it came through in the scenario that we then kind of described as a possible outcome, which was the you know yep. down eight late in the game and having to go for two. And it was it was so it was so perfectly scripted too because they got pretty close, and I I said, oh man, they need to go for two here, and the first thing I thought was, oh, Hurts is going to run this in. This this is a possibility. And then when he ran that in for the touchdown. I was like, we're going to see an octopus. Here we go. And then they didn't line up in their stupid sneak formation, which I granted they're at the two, but the way they fucking run it, they, I don't know why they just don't run that play every play down the field because you can't stop it the way they run it. So, but anyway, they did it. And then as soon as they snapped in the ball, you could tell he was just going to do it himself. And I was just screaming at the television to get in. <laughs> and he did. And we got ourselves an octopus at the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I, I, so I was pretty pumped about that. A number of podcasts that I listened to today and like post-game coverage mentioned the octopus. So I think we were... Yeah, and we're, we're quoting us. Yeah, we were slightly that? ahead of the trend that that got mentioned. Yeah. I think we mentioned the possibility of multi-touchdown scorers. I think we kind of narrowed it down to either... Three. Yeah, but I, we narrowed it down to either Kelsey or Hertz as the only real viable options there. Yeah. Three. To, I think it was 125 to one, I think that was, or something like that. No. 25 to one. 125 to one would be insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, 25, 25 to, one. to one on Hertz, three touchdowns. Um, but no, it was it was a good game. I also said the under on the sacks. I was, I was pretty adamant on that one. You know, everyone I think was over on the sacks because this Eagle defense is so amazing. You know, they played Daniel Jones and sacked the hell out of him. Look out. Um, but as we predicted, uh, they haven't played a real quarterback and they did. And that offense pretty much lit them up down the field. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the second half, at least the first half was. I mean, even the first half, I mean, they had they had a touchdown, a missed field goal. Two touchdowns and a miss. Well, one touchdown and a missed field yeah, goal. I don't think you would. I don't think they you would had. call that lighting them up, though. I think if the game had continued as it did in the first half, A, the Chiefs would have lost, and B, probably the narrative would have been that the Eagles defense did enough. But in the second half, they couldn't couldn't (laughs) get a stop. And it does – you do feel a little bit torn. I don't think there was a lot of good defense from either teams there. I mean, you had the the defensive touchdown from the Chiefs, but that was more through Jalen Hurts just – kind of losing the plot there on a play. It's not like there was some incredible defensive play to cause him to fumble the ball. Yeah. And sometimes it would have been nice. Maybe it would have been nice to have a little bit of defense. I I mean, I think the key defensive stop was that stop that the chiefs made when they went up 28, 27, and then the Eagles got the ball back and you thought that they were going to then like reverse it. And then they three and out them. That I think was the big defensive stop, which again, one three and out is as the big defensive play isn't much. You're right, but that was a huge turning point because then the Chiefs got the ball back and scored again uh, pretty instantly because that was the punt return that Kadarius Tony had to the five or six, whatever it was. So that was, I think, a big defensive turning point. I would say almost more than the the, the scoop and score because um, had had the Eagles gotten that and scored then you know you're, you could be going back and forth, but then they went up eight on them, and at that point, you knew it was going to be tough with the amount of time they I had. I don't know. I, I'll, and the way that the I'll Chiefs disagree were with you there because 
I think the defensive touchdown came at a pretty critical point from a momentum standpoint. The Eagles were poised to run away with that game at one moment in time. And I don't think they were too far from doing that had a couple of things gone differently. And well, that was a third down though. So they would have punted there. Right. But that doesn't, uh, there's not, it's not a guaranteed touchdown from the ensuing drive. Yeah, no, I know. I know. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I will say that's also one of the things that really frustrated me during the first half. The, the, the constant talk about time of possession, which was a major theme in the coverage of the first half. But when you've had a defensive t- <laughs> touchdown scored, you're yeah. almost always going to be losing the game from a time of possession standpoint. And yes, you could, you have to try and isolate that when you're then having the time of possession discussion, but everyone was talking about it as if, well, the, the chiefs just are not getting the ball here. It's like, well, they threw a defensive touchdown. They gave the Eagles back to back offensive possessions. So even if everything else had been equal, the Eagles would have been edging the time of possession purely from that standpoint. Uh, so that was a little bit frustrating. Yeah. Like there was a, a fair difference in the time of possession that was greater than just that touchdown. But the fact that that wasn't even getting mentioned as part of the coverage was a little bit frustrating. Well, it's it's also very annoying because it's it's so much taken out of context sometimes where like they'll say that the Eagles are dominating because look at the time of possession. But then let's look at the other side. This is a tie game, right? So obviously they're not dominating from the points. And they, the Chiefs scored a touchdown in three minutes and then drove down the field and missed that field goal in two minutes. So it's not as if they're not doing anything. They had over 100 yards in two drives in five minutes. So like, yeah, okay, they don't have the time of possession, but if they're driving down the field and scoring in seven plays, then who the hell gives a shit if they have the ball for 15 minutes? Whereas the Eagles, they're a run-first team. So just by the nature of their offense – they're well, going to run the clock more to begin with. And then when you add a defensive touchdown that you skip an offensive drive and you get back to back on the Eagles, like, yeah, of course. But like that, that was kind of annoying at a point when they kept the counter to up. some of what you're saying there is you would normally expect over the course of a game, a huge difference in time of possession. It's going to tell you can't have your defense. You know, there are moments and we've seen it with the chiefs probably in the past yeah, it's great to go down and score in 90 seconds every time, but you do expose your defense then over the course of a game and they can become more tired as a result of that. So there are moments when even if the game is close up to that, you would say by minute 45, the fact that one team is, one defense is on the field 70, 80% of the game is probably going to be a major factor. Also helps that it's probably like a two-hour halftime that it can rest yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's that is true, but so it was an interesting game. Obviously, a couple major talking points, including the flag at the end of the game. That's got a lot of people really worked up that they felt as if the game was determined by the officials, even though I think everyone kind of acknowledges that it was a you know, holding call is correct. It's just a question of whether or not they should have sort of swallowed the flag because Called of the it. context in which the game was being played. I think there's some argument to that, but you know, it's not as if they didn't just let the teams play all game and then decided to change the way in which they were officiating right at the end. I think when that happens, it bothers me. It was pretty consistent throughout the game itself. Yeah, it was. That's it's a tough call to make. You know, I think even Bradbury admitted he held him and grabbed grabbed the jersey. They hadn't called much holding and. 
we can say maybe that was because it was a really clean game, but I think everyone knows that there is no such thing as a clean game and that there's always going to be holding. So the amount of leniency, we don't really know. It's a tough spot to be in for a ref. I think there, I, I don't think it was a, a particularly egregious call that he called it. You know, like I think even the, the ones we've talked about previously the week before with the Bengals, I think that was a worse call, no call kind of thing than this one. So I don't know. I mean, they still had the ball at the 15. They, the Eagles would have gotten the ball, so they would have had a chance, obviously. But it's not as if that didn't stop the Chiefs from probably going up three. Yeah, I, yeah, but there would have been quite a long time left. I know, about a minute, about a minute 50 And, and to be perfectly, perfectly with honest with you, I would have expected the Eagles to at least get within field goal range. I mean, yes. Do they just run it, you think? I, I mean, I don't Continue. But we hadn't seen it. a lot... <laughs> In, in guaranteed four down situations, which they were pretty much like that anyway on every drive, I don't, I can't imagine them not getting to the Chiefs 45 and at least giving themselves a yeah. shot at a game tying field goal. So it is a critical call, but I don't know how people can be so upset. I mean, look, you're right. You can probably call holding on every play. And it's just a question of whether or not they decide to. But when you do have the player themselves coming out and saying, I held him and I hoped I was going to get away with it, then why, why yeah. is this so <laughs> controversial? You know, like the player himself is saying, oh, I definitely did it. And then you're still saying, well, yeah. but was it a penalty? It's like, who, who else do you need to weigh in on this? <laughs> I think maybe one of the major talking points, Eddie, is is, is Mahomes just... Uh, pain intolerant <laughs> or just <laughs> or very very pain tolerant <laughs> they're one or the other either this is a very pretty serious high ankle sprain that he's able because he did not get any drugs or injections at halftime uh they came out and said that so he you know seemed to be in terrible amounts of pain coming off the the field on that one play and then after halftime came out and Seemed to be pretty good. The only thing I will say that was kind of funny was on that last drive when he has that nice, was like 20 yard scramble. It seemed as if his leg was hurting a little bit because he can't run straight. And he's like starting to veer off to the left. And I don't know if he's doing it purposely. It almost looks like the one leg isn't working as well. And he starts like kind of curving a little bit. He can't run straight. I thought that was kind of funny. But I, I mean, I, I, I don't know what to make of this. You know, some people are going to say that this is like the Michael Jordan flu game. You know, he's coming off a high ankle sprain and com- comes out in that second half after he re-aggravates the injury and plays pretty much a flawless second half. I would love to say, yes, I agree, but I don't know. Like, I don't understand how you can have that type of pain and then all of a sudden it not hurt at all anymore, you know? Like, so it's it's strange. At times over the course of this podcast, we have accused Aaron Rodgers of milking injuries to add to the kind of Aaron Rodgers aura. What a gamer. Oh, look at look at look at Rogers struggling through the pain, putting the team on his back, and just because we maybe think less of Rogers than we do of Mahomes, I am not going to be hypocritical and not say I think Aaron uh, Aaron Mahomes, I think Patrick Mahomes has taken a play right out of the Aaron Rodgers playbook, and I think 
I'm sure his ankle hurts. Like I'm not saying that he's completely making up. Obviously the original injury against the Jags, I mean, that was for everyone to see. But over the course of the game against the Bengals and then over this game when he sort of semi-re-injures it and then miraculously heals himself. And every once in a while, it's almost as if he remembered that he was supposed to have an ankle injury. So at the at the end of the odd play, <laughs> there would be a little bit of a limp, you know. But I think, you know, he's in a lot of commercials. And I think he was putting on a good acting job over the last last few weeks. And part of it is, I think, because maybe he's going to say this is his Michael Jordan flu game. And to me, it's not. I just didn't see enough evidence. The, the thing with the Michael Jordan flu game is it was clear to everyone that that was affecting his ability to perform. Like he was literally sort of dragging himself through a very limiting physical situation. Whereas I didn't see enough from Mahomes to see that it was actually limiting anything he could do, apart from occasionally in between plays. And that to me is, yeah, I struggle with it. Yeah. I mean, adrenaline is a hell of a drug, but... I still don't, I agree with you. Adrenaline can maybe wear off some of the pain that you're feeling, but your injury is still going to limit your physical ability to do things. You know, adrenaline might wear off that feeling that, oh shit, I'm in a lot of pain. I shouldn't do this. But if it's an actual injury, you're not going to physically be able to do some of the things that he was able to do there. So I, I don't, I don't know how if, serious of an injury we that were was. Talking about, <laughs> if that scramble he had been limping around and struggling all game, had managed to pull off that one scramble. And then we could say, we could kind of put that one down to adrenaline. But if he was, if his adrenaline was so high that for basically the last three weeks, he hasn't been impacted by this injury, I think Patrick Mahomes needs to go and get himself tested because I've got real concerns about what his long-term health is going to look like. <laughs> Because he might just... Oh, I thought you were going to go the other way. I thought he was going to be like Wolverine. Well, he just heals. He might quickly. be pure adrenaline. <laughs> I mean, this is, you know... But no, I think... I think he milked it. I think there's... It's difficult to... And as I said, if, if it were anyone other than... You know, if that had been Aaron Rodgers, we, we would definitely be accusing him of milking it. You know, or if it had been... You know, there's a handful of quarterbacks who instantly would have been like, oh, man, this guy is really trying to make us aware of the fact that he might be a little injured. And I think Patrick Mahomes made us all remember, well, he might be a little injured constantly. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what to make of it. But he, I mean, the Chiefs just played a, a great second half. And the question I had for you is, do you think that was halftime adjustments that they just came out and their offense pretty much just dominated? Or do you think that was the first half they could maybe didn't get into a groove because they had that time where there was like 50 minutes that they weren't on the field and they came out and I think went three and out and punted. Is it just that it was kind of just, you know, weird first half that they didn't get the rhythm going? Or do you think they went into halftime, saw something and came out and just exposed them? I haven't rewatched the game. I don't feel as if, their offense was running any differently in the second half. You know, the types of plays they were running seemed extremely similar. So, yeah, I think maybe it's just that they weren't able to get in complete rhythm in that first half. And just 
the reality of it is that Philadelphia Eagles team, I mean, they failed to make a defensive play of significance really at any point during that game. And that was true from the first minute to the last. They, you know, this much vaunted Philadelphia Eagles defense, you know, one of the most feared in the league, game-changing defense, they're going to have to, you know, and then added to with this completely idiotic hiring of Nick Fangio as a two-week consultant to help them prepare for the Chiefs, a guy who had an 0-6 record against the Chiefs. <laughs> what was he coming in to do? They were, like, suggesting plays to him. and Oh, and seven. You know, no. Yeah, but I mean, when he was hired, oh, and six, like, where they bring him in so that he could say, I've tried that. It did not work. Is that all he was there for? Is like a filter system? Like, not actually recommending anything, but just being like, oh, yeah, we did that one. Didn't work at all. Do you know how we. I think his recommendation was first half, just don't cover Kelsey. No one else does it and it doesn't work. So they're not going to expect that you do the same. So just don't cover him in that first half. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, um, yeah, it's just bizarre. Let me ask this, do you feel a little, because we talked about it last podcast, that I think you felt a little slighted saying that the Eagles were the best defense, being a Niners fan, where you've seen how ferocious that Niners defense is. And we both kind of agreed that the Eagles are the best defense statistically, but where are those statistics coming from? Do you feel a little vindicated here seeing that the Chiefs just pretty much just thromp them up and down the field? Slightly vindicated. And I think also, I think if you're a Niners fan, you have to tell yourself then, had the Purdy injury not happened, I think that I now feel even more vindicated in the idea of saying, I think the Niners would have won that game. And I think both the 49ers and the Bengals are probably sitting there yesterday and and probably today saying to themselves had either one of us made the Super Bowl I think either I think they each win the Super Bowl if they're in it against either the if it's Bengals Eagles the Bengals win if it's Niners Chiefs I think the Niners would have won that game and so to me that is I think both teams will be sitting there thinking wow, things worked a little bit differently. I do love, though. Why, what indication is it that the, the Niners go and win this game? Because in the end, the Eagles have, I mean, the Chiefs have only managed to win that by three points. And I think it's absolutely inconceivable to think that that Niners team over the course of an entire game could have been less impressive defensively than what the Eagles put out yesterday that a team that consistently forces pretty much a turnover a game would have forced a turnover at some point that they would have sacked Patrick Mahomes at some point that they would have forced a three and out or, a, you know, a punt at some point in the second half. Like I, but could their offense have put up 400 yards like the Eagles did against that chief's defense? I mean, that didn't make a play really either. Why wouldn't they? I mean, you know, it's a bizarre game. You look back on it. Okay, there's the Chiefs defensive touchdown, as we touched on. Aside from that, there wasn't even a moment anyone was close to a turnover. Normally, you watch an NFL game, and you're like, oh, that was a dangerous throw. Ooh, you know, the corner could have made a play there. That was just, oh, wide open guy, 15 yards. Oh, wide open guy, 15 yards. 
you know, and the, the rare moments of the punts usually occurred from, you know, like, well, they picked up six yards. It was a third down incomplete pass. You know, there were, there were very few moments of like, wow, good defensive play. It was kind of the offense is stalling that led to the, the rare punts that there were. So could the Niners have put up 400 yards? Probably, but I don't think the Chiefs score 35 points. So could the Niners have put up at least 300 against that Chiefs defense? Absolutely. And, and vice versa. The Bengals, I mean, I think Joe Burrow could have broken Tom Brady's record. I mean, <laughs> in, and maybe in one half. That could have been an 800-yard Joe Burrow performance. I love it. The Niners' nonstop confidence. But, just but it's also confidence it. for the Bengals. And again, I think those four teams were the best four teams over the course of the season. Any combination of them yeah, would have delivered a good Super Bowl. And I think whoever would won those championship games could rightfully say they were the best two teams in the NFL because they kind of passed that important test. But ultimately, both of the losing teams in those championship games will watch that game thinking, I think we could have had them there. Like That was, there were obviously good plays, but there was no defense there at all. I think we would have been able to do what we wanted to do. What's your opinion on Hurts after this game? I think it's... Do you have a slightly better opinion? I, I, I thought, I was, I was impressed with his performance. He, I think that fumble aside, which was just a, it just happened. You know, it wasn't like he did anything crazy, stupid or something like that. He just lost the balls. He was kind of switching hands. You know, I think it was just one of those things that 95 times it doesn't happen. And that one time it kind of just slipped and he fumbled it a little bit, you know, nothing too stupid, but he played a pretty good game. He had some really nice throws too. He had that, that one to Goddard that they called the catch and then reviewed it and then kept it to catch. That was a hell of a throw. I mean, that was like a pinpoint throw. And he had a few of those that were just like drop. He dropped dimes in. And then unfortunately, his last throw that he'll be remembered for is one of the worst Hail Marys I've ever seen from Pop Warner to the professional leagues. (laughs) But but I think overall, I mean, he ran the hell out of the ball. You know, I thought he did well. I was impressed. I, I am. I will be interested to see if this is a consistent thread or if this is a one year really uh like specific system season so i think he should have been the mvp of the super bowl like i think if we yeah we talked about that in the chat i I think if 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 we got away it'll never happen (laughs) if we got away with this idea that it almost has to come from the winning team the most impressive single player performance in that Super Bowl was Hertz. He almost single handedly won the Eagles that yeah. game. And so, oh, we said real quick I was, uh, to prove what you're saying 417 yards they had, he accounted for 375 of those between passing and running. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he had a like Patrick Mahomes didn't really put a foot wrong no pun intended there but I also don't think Patrick Mahomes was particularly spectacular and you know I I do think 
in the end, Mahomes sort of won MVP by default because it was hard to put together a strong case for any other Chiefs player because none of them, like, if Kelsey had continued his first half in the second half, maybe he ends up getting it. But, you know, in the end, he did, he had a great first half, didn't do a tremendous amount in the second. I think I thought maybe if Tony returned that punt for a touchdown maybe. and he ends the day with two touchdowns and a punt return, which doesn't very much happen in a Super Bowl, maybe that's enough. Yeah, and it's the longest. But I, I agree with you. I just don't think they'd ever give it. And I don't know. I think one, I don't think they'd ever give it to the losing team. And two, I don't know if they'd ever put that player in that situation. But, but why? I think it would be a tremendous honor to be to say, I think you. I think you're going to be so upset from that loss that it would just aggravate you more to be like, "Hey, can you come back out on the field and accept this MVP trophy?" <laughs> I mean, you got to do. He has to go through those media requirements anyway, right? So it's not as if he just gets to run off and and you know cry in the shower and never come out. He has to face the media, answer your questions. He's not Nick Sirianni. He's not crying. <laughs> He's not uh, listening to the national anthem crying. Yeah. So intense. He loves America so much, so much more than you. Did you cry? No, we'll cover that in a minute, but <laughs> let's finish on the hurts. <laughs> uh, I agree with you, though. I thought it, without him, that's like not even a game. <laughs> the only reason why you'd say it puts the player in potentially an uncomfortable position is more if he doesn't have the right attitude in terms of within his own team. You then have a guy walking back into the locker room saying, guys, I was Super Bowl MVP. And if any of you had been a little bit better, we would have won that game. <laughs> that's, if any of you could have fucking done anything else. <laughs> that's that's how good I was. We lost and they've still given me this award. That's yeah. the only reason. That Now, that's not for the NFL to worry about. That's, you know, the own internal goings, kind of goings on of, of a team and a player. But... I do think he was the MVP. Like, had the Eagles won, he was an you know absolute hundred percent consensus pick. There would have been no thought about who else it could have been. Whereas I do think with the Chiefs, you still had to think to yourself a little bit. Well, maybe someone else deserves it. And look, it's great for Mahomes. He enters elite company, right? Of quarterbacks that have won two Super Bowls and two Super Bowl MVPs. I think he's only the fourth player in NFL history, the only the fourth quarterback in NFL history now, and it's a pretty elite list of quarterbacks. I think it's Brady, Joe Montana, and I think maybe it's – I can't remember who the, the the other one is, but it's you know it's a great list to be on. But it's a, it's a fairly weak MVP award. Like yeah. I don't think that's the – but yeah, I think I come away with it with a higher impression of Jalen Hurts for sure. Yeah, Jalen Hurts in that game ran for twelve first downs himself. <laughs> That's crazy, uh, and three touchdowns. I mean, to get three rushing touchdowns as a quarterback is crazy, and a two point conversion. Uh, you know, yeah, he would definitely put the team on his back. Andy Reid, second Super Bowl win. How many coaches have two or more Super Bowl wins? Uh, I'll say four. He was now the 13th coach. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, right? It's kind of crazy. Yeah, so it's not a... Unlike the Mahomes elite company list, then that's yep. just pretty much everyone. Yeah, Have you won a Super Bowl <laughs> as, an, as a head coach? Then you've probably won two. I think Tom Coughlin might have been the last. Or did Belichick win two after Coughlin won that second one? No. Um, no. Belichick would have already won three. Yeah. By that time. Nick Sirianni, Eddie. He says for the last few months before games, he listens to the Whitney Houston, I think it was like 1995 rendition of the national anthem during the Super Bowl. And he gets very emotional, worked up before games listening to it. And that he wouldn't be surprised if he got emotional during this national anthem that it's all been leading to. Yeah, I see, I'm a little torn on this because I wouldn't I wouldn't make fun of a player for crying. And I actually think it's very normal to cry. Like when you're representing your country, crying during your national anthem feels really different to me than crying during the national anthem before a Super Bowl. I don't know. I don't know why, but like an Olympian crying while the national anthem gets played or, you know, a, a football, a soccer player crying before a game while the anthem is playing feels completely different to a head coach of an NFL team crying before the Super Bowl while the national anthem is playing. And I can understand being a little bit overwhelmed by the emotion. And it's also the way in which he cried. Like that was... <laughs> it's one thing to have like the single tear kind of you know running down and you can just see the the eyes are kind of swelling up a little bit that's one thing but he was just that was a lot of tears coming out of both of his eyes i mean that was it, yeah it did not take long post loss for the memes to hit with those pictures you knew instantly i mean we said in the yeah. once it happened he had to really hope that they won he was going to be memed no matter what the outcome was. But in particular, it's like the crying Jordan face. You know, he's now entered, he's entered elite company from a meme perspective. <laughs> you know, like he'll, he'll probably be gift and meme for the rest of eternity. So he's got that to go by, but I just, overall, I hate him. He pulls the light. <laughs> he, he does like the first down signal on the sidelines when he's a coach. You know, there's a lot of things where you're just like, he seems like such a hardo and he just annoys yeah. me. The way the like great the, college coach, the way, yes, the way he celebrates with the other coaches and the players. Like he kind of did the like Bash Brothers uh, celebration at one point with one of the other coaches. It's just, it looks, it's just like, it comes across as such a dork. And, yeah, I I was he was the thing that was making me want the Eagles to lose the most. And I'm just disappointed that there is he will have to be part of my life for the foreseeable future because he is clearly a good coach and the Eagles are a good team. So he's not going away anytime soon. Speaking of going away anytime soon, how long before they outlaw the rugby style sneak? Not too long. Just is it going to be right after this game they see how dumb it is, or are they going to wait for a quarterback to get pretty injured one time, and then they're going to eliminate it? I mean, just watching this game, it was it got to the point where it's like, this is just dumb. 
I think there's more efficient ways to try and stop it than what we're seeing from teams at the moment. So that you could say at some point defenses will come up with a way of limiting the damage it can do. But and I think more teams will find more creative ways to sort of employ that ability to sort of push a scrum for several yards. It will force the NFL's hand at some point because you will, you know, you kind of think of it as in rugby, like the idea of the rolling mall using their bodies and the momentum to carry their way down the pitch. You could have a situation in the NFL where it's like, okay, I'm going to catch the ball and then seven of you are going to just run and hold Get me up front. and push me. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. you know, and, and at that point, we're going to be pretty much unstoppable. And they kind of tolerate this at the moment around the first, like on a crew, when it's going for a first down or right around the goal line. I'd be interested to see if teams just started and that became an intentional tactic. Like if you just had your running back, you know, if, what if you just started with like four fullbacks lined up behind the running back? And is in the instant that he gets the ball, you're just, you know, an actual scrum kind of running towards players, being like, well, we'll, we'll even if you make a tackle, we're gonna we're gonna push him for four yards every time. I'm, I mean, I think this is maybe the new play. Instead of doing a hail mary at the end of the game, you just throw like a little screen pass, have like four blockers in front, two behind you, and just scrum up the field the entire way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it's um. At some point, someone's going to game the system enough that they will have to come up with some very specifically worded rule that prevents you from doing it. But it just makes it seem, when you did see how efficient the Eagles were in picking up first downs, and, you know, they were just, they knew, you know, they did the thing. Yep. It's like watching someone play Madden. In the bar, it was frustrating me. Then people are idiots. Uh, the bar I was watching it. I mean, I'm not specific talking about that bar, but you'd have you had Chiefs fans where it would be third down, and then it was fourth and one, and they're cheering. It's like you guys, yeah. you guys know they're going for it, right? And they're they're getting it. Like I don't know why yeah. you're cheering. Like it it actually doesn't matter that you tackled that running back slightly short of the first down marker. If anything you're kind of allowing the Eagles to pick up a couple more yards and a fresh set of downs. It's almost advantageous for them. Like they're yeah. kind of getting an extra <laughs> down out of this basically, but it makes me wonder why, how, when you do see NFL teams try and go for it either on the goal line or in a, you know, fourth and short situation, the fact that teams fail when you see how some teams are so efficient, you know, if I were an owner of a team, and I watched that game and I had a head coach where, you know, I'd, I'd like go back and look at our team and be like, wait, we were, you know, 50% on, you know, fourth and one <laughs> this season. I'd immediately be calling our head coach and be like, why, why aren't we doing what they're doing and just picking up every first down? That's, yeah. that's the thing and, that baffles me. And you can't even use the excuse. Like, so the chiefs don't do QB sneaks because of Mahomes, but who cares? Then put in Henny and do the same thing. Cause at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who is holding the ball? It's not as if Jalen Hurts is doing something that's crazy that no other quarterback can do. All he's doing is taking the snap and holding on for dear life as people push the shit out of him forward. Like, that's all that's happening. Yeah. Anyone could do that. In fact, you might even be better off having a bigger guy do it who might even be harder to get down. Like, you know, like Kelsey. Why couldn't Kelsey, as long as he can get the snap, just let Kelsey take it and let 
three people push Kelsey forward. Like it's, you can't stop it. No, I mean, it's, yeah, it's not stoppable. The only two <laughs> skills involved is cleanly collecting the snap, which yeah, whoever you're gonna have, which to Kelsey do. has fumbled yeah. before doing. <laughs> but yeah, obviously, if you elected for someone else to be the kind of specialist for that situation, then that's something they work on all season and get the timing down with the center, and you kind of make sure that that's something whoever you're choosing is good at it. And the only other thing you can say is you, you have to be able to look at that line and be like, okay, that's the hole I'm going to be pushed through. I don't think that's a particularly challenging skill because usually it's like, oh, there's not a guy standing exactly there. That's the hole I need to penetrate. But You need someone who can figure out what hole to penetrate. Yes. And again, a little bit of practice. If that's your specialist guy, he's. I don't think that it's not rocket science to be like, oh, hold on, there's eight guys lined up there. There's a slight gap between two of them right there. That's where I'm going. I'm not actually going to push directly into a guy right in front of me. That's, you know, it's it's not particularly complicated. Any other takeaways from the game? Um, no, I will say, I know we had the conversation about is Mahomes already now a, an envy, a Hall of Famer? I do <laughs> the Chiefs dynasty talk, which has been pretty significant today. I think I don't think the Chiefs are a dynasty yet. I I actually have a question for you on this. Not the Chiefs dynasty, but in I want to be particular here in the NFL because I think it's different for each sport. Does a is a dynasty defined by just the Super Bowls you win or how many times you are making it to the Super Bowl? Because or or do you even go back further than that? Because if you want to say AFC Championship, they've made it what every year since Mahomes has been the starter. If you want to say Super Bowl, they've done three out of the last four. If you want to say win, they've won two out of the last four. So do you account for making it to the Super Bowl as being part of contributing to being a a little bit? I think only Super Bowls, champ, NFC Championship games, or AFC Championship games. Okay. I don't think you can be – that just makes you a good team, but I don't think you could even talk about dynasty. But you got to win some, if not a lot of them. Because, for example, you, gotta w- you would be insane. Win over 50%. You would I be think. insane if someone sat down with me and said, do you remember the Bills, the Bills. dynasty from the early 90s? <laughs> so what are yeah. you talking about? It's like, well, they made four Super Bowls in a row. It's like, yeah. I mean, that's a solid point, but you could maybe call them – an AFC, an dy- AFC dynasty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know if that's if you wanted to be really specific, no. but and then let's. Say, I think you have to be winning over fifty percent of them. Because yeah, let's let's take that Bills team as an example. If they'd won one out of four, definitely still not a dynasty. I think you. I think you. I think you need three Super Bowls to be a dynasty. Win. You three need to win wins. three. Because yeah. even if the Bills had gone two and four. I don't think I would have said, I don't think I'd feel comfortable saying they were a dynasty. But if they'd won three out of four. The other thing too is, I think even a four-year period isn't long enough for the dynasty talk. I think you need to get to like six years maybe, where then you can say, all right, that was a significant period of time. So if I'm, for the Chiefs to be a dynasty for me in a sense, they would need to win next year's Super Bowl. I also think back-to-back wins at some point is important because that shows for you know 24 months 
you were maybe the best team. Whereas it's like, well, you won one, then a couple of years later, won another. It's like, all right, you weren't a dynasty. You were just one of the very good teams over a six, yeah. seven year period. I'm a little more lenient on that you have to be winning all the time versus other sports. Like, for instance, in the NBA, I would only say a dynasty is if you're winning the NBA finals. If you're just making the finals a bunch of times, whatever. It's it's You have seven games to win, you can win. In the Super Bowl, sometimes things go wrong in one game and you get unlucky and that happens. So I don't think you have to win every game, but I agree with you. You have to win a majority of the games you make. You can't make five Super Bowls, win one, and call yourself a dynasty. That's not going to happen. So yeah, I do like your point though about the back to back. That is a good point because even if the Chiefs next year were to lose and then come back the following year and win, are they really a dynasty if they're winning like every every other year, every few? You know, like the back to back does solidify at some point in time that you know, like you're just dominating for a very long period of time. I also think, and I think the NFL is a little bit different in terms of being this. I don't think the Super Bowl champion. I think some sports you really get a target put on you when you're the kind of reigning champions. And I don't think you get that as much in the NFL just because the season is so short. Like every game is so significant. Yeah. I don't like no one prepares for you differently because you're, Oh, mm-hmm. well the chiefs won the super bowl last year. So we better really prepare now. We didn't really prepare for the jets last week. You know, like I think you can always make the argument in like the NBA or maybe the NHL or, you know, there's, there's kind of teams are more up. You know, it's like a long yep. season and they get extra motivated for like, well, let's beat this team because they're, that kind yeah. of proves something about us. But I, I, I do think there is passing, like being the defending champions and passing that test again is also another important step to being that dynasty of like, we were able, we, you know, we kind of, we were the team to beat and we beat everybody. And everybody knew yeah. we were the guys there you had to get past, and nobody did it. Whereas, you know, we kind of entered this playoffs, and even though the Chiefs have been one of the best teams over the past few years, they kind of were the team to beat, but they, they also kind of weren't. We've also, in a lot of their Super Bowl runs, I mean, they nearly lost to the Bengals. You know, there's there's a lot of, yes, you need the luck, as you said, in, in the NFL, you know, a couple of plays decide the outcome of most games. And you need the ball to bounce the right way at the right time. But, you know, we're, we weren't that far away from the Chiefs not even being in the Super Bowl this year. So to then say, well, they also, I mean, they could have lost, they could have lost the Jags. You know, they weren't that game. Yeah. <laughs> and so they, and they definitely could and possibly, possibly should have lost to the Bengals. So then be like, well, what a dynasty, just this unstoppable <laughs> juggernaut that is the Chiefs. The last thing I, I'll touch on, since this is of a similar vein, um, and also I guess not to be a hypocrite like you want to do, I will do the same and say I ripped on the Bengals a lot last week or two weeks ago, I guess, for how they have that narrative that no one believes in them, no one said they would win, no one said they could win, no one could say they could be here when they were in the freaking Super Bowl the year before. And even worse was Travis Kelsey saying that no one believes in the Kansas City Chiefs and no one picked them and no one thought they could win. 
who the fuck is he talking about? They were the number two favorite and in Vegas, everywhere. Everyone in the preseason picked them. Bill Simmons picked them to win the Super Bowl at the beginning of the year. What are you talking about? Like, yeah. it's the most outrageous concept I've ever heard of. I know. And even going into the Super Bowl itself, they were what? They, by the time the game went off, I think they were one point underdogs. Yeah. You know, so it's not as if. It's not as if they were like seven point underdogs going into the Super Bowl and you're like, well, we really proved the world wrong. It's like, no, I think everyone thought the game was, no matter how you felt about the game, I think most people thought it was pretty much a toss up. And in the end, you won the game by three points with a field goal with eight seconds left. So kind of the game was a toss up. And like, you didn't prove, it goes back to the, the way they re, they celebrated kind of like against the Bengals two weeks ago they treat these narrow margins of victories as if they have just emphatically proven all the doubters wrong it's like well no i think if most people thought it was going to be a close game and you might lose well it was a close game and you just barely managed to win you didn't really prove anyone wrong there even if they didn't quote unquote believe in you yeah they, they probably feel as if they weren't that far away from being right yeah I, I don't I just didn't understand who he was talking about. The only thing I will say is pregame, all of the Fox uh pregame analysts all picked the Eagles. So unless he was watching television twenty minutes before the game started and he was calling them out specifically, I don't know what the hell he's talking about because they were like six to one second favorites to win the Super Bowl at the start of the year. And you know, like they were the number one seed going in. So I don't know how he thinks no one thought they could do this. It was a little outrageous. Yeah, and they're eleven to two favorites to win the Super Bowl right now. So just yeah. before he starts the whole nobody believes in us again next year. Right now, a lot of people believe in you. You are going to go into next season as the favorites, and you can't. You know, yeah, maybe there'll be a mid-season. Oh, the Chiefs have lost lost back-to-back games, and there'll be a few people saying because it also just bothers me in general. It's the it's like athletes latching on the way we have the 24 hour news network, sports news networks and the, all these talking head shows, people say stuff to be controversial, you know, like Stephen A. Smith says stuff that he doesn't believe in, you know, but he just has to say it. So like if the chiefs lose a game, everyone has to say, are the chiefs done? Are the chiefs in trouble? Is this chief team overrated? And some, you know, like one idiot on that panel show has to say, I've always thought the chiefs were, you know, fraudulent. They're they're really just not that good. <laughs> you have to, as an athlete, you cannot latch onto that and be like, they're disrespecting me on ESPN. It's like it's just you gotta have some idea of this is just a, like an act, right? Like, you know, is well, it? Well, I it, mean, Travis Kelsey believes in WWE, so <laughs> maybe he. You know, it's like, <laughs> isn't it crazy? Every day on first take, one of them takes one side and the other one takes the other. What are the odds that they constantly disagree on every topic? (laughs) You know, it's like, oh, yeah, it's almost as if it's pretty much a scripted show. And at one moment in time when they have their, you know, production meeting in the morning, they go, hey, Stephen, do you feel really strongly about this? No, I don't. Well, then you don't have to be the play devil's advocate on this one. You know, like, and yeah, just overall the teams constantly relying on the nobody believes in us we've been publicly disrespected just give it a rest maybe maybe they flip the script next year and if they lose in like the afc championship they say that too many people believed in them and that's why they lost (laughs) yeah 
<laughs> the weight of expectation. Everyone picked us to win the Super Bowl, and we lost because of it. Like, if you think to the teams that made the playoffs this year, one or two of them could have legitimately said, could have gone with the nobody believes in us if they'd strung together a playoff run. But even most of them, like the Giants couldn't have even said nobody believes in us because going into the playoffs, there were a lot of people being like, this Giants team eerily similar to the 2007 Giants. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Even for as a kind of rank outsiders, there were people believing in you. Like they are the dark horses to win the Super Bowl. There were a couple teams, and yeah, nobody gave a chance to. And if they'd been able to put it together, I could have maybe accepted sitting through a post game speech of someone saying, "We've really proven you all wrong." But yeah, not, uh, not especially. You got the MVP of the league as your quarterback, and a team that's been successful over the last four years. It's just a crazy statement to make. So. What will you now do with yourself with all these free Sunday afternoons and nights, Eddie? Yeah, it does does mean I can get to sleep a lot earlier on Sundays, Mondays, and Thursdays. So that's nice. But, you know, we've obviously the Six Nations is underway, so that gives me some extra sport. And, you know, we've got some, there's a few things that will kick off, and we're not too far away from like the Masters. You know, the tennis season ramps up in a bit. Obviously, Sunday nights, I can watch The Last of Us. So I will definitely find ways to occupy myself. How was the uh, food situation where you watched the Super Bowl? Any So there's no kitchen where we were. We went out to dinner yeah. before. So I went to okay. Vasilis's one of his restaurants, had a uh, very nice. I actually ate octopus, so that was the uh, you. You ate octopus, and you didn't tell the world that you had eaten an octopus to bet the octopus. Yeah. <laughs> so I, we had a great meal. Really filled ourselves up pre-match, and I have to admit, I wasn't. We ate so much food then that I wasn't really ever hungry again. But at one moment in time, a girl did walk around the bar. She had ordered Pizza Hut. And I guess she had like her group had ordered pizza. She heard our podcast. Yeah. And so she walked over to us and was and she had four slices of pizza in this box. And there were four of us. And she was like, Does do one of you want a slice? And I think in her mind she was expecting, like, at most, two of these people are gonna say yes, and I'm still gonna walk away with two slices. All four slices were taken. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. And I mean, there was nothing she could do about it. She open boxed and went, does someone yep. want it? And it's like, well, you've, you've opened yourself up to this situation. But yeah, that pizza was immediately gone. That's funny. Oh, she instantly regretted that. You might've been one of the few people to eat octopus during the Super Bowl. I don't think that's a common item served no. at Super Bowl parties. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Uh, my, my what do you guys got? Oh, we got some wings, we got some pork sliders, and we have this delectable uh, uh, little fried octopus and a little grilled octopus. We're doing it two ways this time. <laughs> yeah, no, I think my Super Bowl meal, which, yeah, it was, you know, the usual assortment of starters. So we had domatis, so which is, you know, the rice wrapped in olive leaves, uh, and then, uh, you know, a selection of Greek dips. 
like pepper and feta cheese, tzatziki. Greek what? Dips. Oh, dips. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, with pita bread and, and some other things. And then, yeah, I had a uh, grill, saffron grilled octopus. So, yeah, it was with kale and beets. It was not your traditional Super Bowl meal, but it was it was excellent. As a Vasilis-related update, uh, you know, we've... Oh, boy. Now, there's nothing too exciting to discuss. He was very proud of himself. He, on Saturday night, we did not meet up with him. He went out and kept texting me to tell me what an incredible party it was. And he did manage, he's met a, met a Brazilian model that he's now infatuated with. So uh, he was and di- he was disappointed when she did not turn up to watch the Super Bowl. I don't know. Surprises me that Brazilian models. That's Is she real? <laughs> well, I, I've seen her Instagram. She seemed real. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Because Instagram doesn't have bots. <laughs> but an update that did surprise me. And we obviously we have discussed at different moments in time, Vasilis's sort of sex capades and sex life uh, <laughs> came out over the weekend that Vasilis has not had sex in 2023. That blew my mind. <laughs> of all the things, it would have been if he had set the odds. Jalen Hurts scoring three touchdowns in the Super Bowl was odds on <laughs> compared to the prospect that Vasilis was in a six-week-long dry spell. <laughs> I'm sure Vasilis is so happy this is what we discuss. <laughs> hey, if you're going to get the, you know, you get the clout for, you know, attending sex parties and all the things. Like I don't that. think we've ever given him particular clout. <laughs> I don't think we've ever talked favorably about him. <laughs> no, it's true. Well, yeah, I mean, anytime he makes it onto the podcast, it's it's rarely something that he probably really wants being discussed in the public forum, but he always gives me the approval. He's got no shame. Well, maybe he's just waiting for love, Eddie. I guess I could make a... I could link us back to Rihanna if I <laughs> on where he could possibly find love, but no, it's uh, yeah, which we we didn't discuss the half. Oh, you, you think he doesn't have the money? I was gonna say <laughs> he'd have to you know find it in a hopeless place. That was uh, I know, but yeah, no, he um, it was which I think I'll be brief on the maybe a quick Super Bowl halftime review. She's got a great set of songs. It's like I said, you know, those six, seven hits are huge hits. So for 12, she played. No, I know, but I don't think they're all, there were a couple. Well, I'm just saying, cause the over under was nine and a half. There were, there were, there were a couple that she probably didn't need to bring out for the Super Bowl. Uh, but the choreography was pretty good. I thought the like dancing clouds was a little strange at times. The platform, you mean the Super Smash Brothers? Yeah, the platform thing was <laughs> very cool, and the height to which I, she went yeah. was impressive. I can't believe that. Like, I don't know who agrees to do that. I don't care how much safety is involved. There is no way you're hanging me off of a what ten by ten platform in the middle of a stadium that high up. That was crazy. That was that was insane. 
yeah, it definitely takes some bravery. But, you know, and, and overall it was a good show. I think, you know, I have my thoughts on the lip syncing, which, I mean, she's singing, but the, yeah. like, backtrack, like the backing vocals did some heavy lifting there uh, at times, for sure. <laughs> and uh, I think that's a little disappointing when you're putting on a live Super Bowl performance. And I know this will get us some criticism for sure. There was also moments where it was maybe slightly awkward and uncomfortable to watch a pregnant woman sort of like grab her crotch and <laughs> gesticulate sexually. That was, it's a little bit strange. Um, but aside from that, it was a good halftime show. Eddie, I think you, you're going to get shit no matter if you'd said that or if you had said that you were turned on by it. I think either way, you're going to catch some, catch some grief. And maybe from the same people. That's, that's the thing that those situations <laughs> put you into an uncomfortable position is there are people out there yeah. who no matter what take you have on the Rihanna being pregnant <laughs> and performing, I do like – I did see a few people coming out and saying she shouldn't have performed as a pregnant woman that seems outrageous to me but yeah. also uh, what's the difference but also you know, like, like... <laughs> she obviously agreed to do the super bowl before she was pregnant as well so it's not as if she agreed to do it two weeks ago and they knew what the situation was it was like well maybe given this you you shouldn't have done it it's like she signed up you know probably a year ago i don't know exactly like i'm imagining the discussions for who's going to perform at the next super bowl halftime show start pretty much as soon as the Super Bowl before is over. Yeah. So I want to say it was even announced by like week seven. Yeah. So you have to figure how how far back had they been in discussions, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And uh but no, it's um so I got no problem obviously I think it's great in in for you know to show that pregnant women can get out there and do things. But I don't know if getting out there and doing things necessarily have to include grabbing your crotch. I think that's there. I might draw a line at some point, and I think we pr ah. we probably crossed the line over the course. Of no that. line was crossed. That she can do whatever she wants up yeah. there. Does does not bother me. Yeah. Um, I I just want to see the Google trend spike for when she first came out. The amount of people that put is Rihanna pregnant. Because I'm in about five group chats and everyone around the same time as soon as she started was, is she pregnant? Is she pregnant? Is she pregnant? Like, yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, it became it became abundantly obvious. Uh, yeah. And I like that they had to then afterwards came out with an official statement from her team saying that she is. So, yeah. I, I mean, I don't think you're, you're just telling me water's wet at this point. Like you did not need to make a statement saying that she's pregnant. <laughs> Yeah, no, I thought it, I thought it was really good overall. I, the the thing that was a few things surprising because actually this was the only bet I lost all Super Bowl was what would be her first and last song I bet on. That was the only loss we had. We did ten dollars each on two different scenarios, neither of which came true. Um, or actually, we got the last song on one of them. Uh, so that was one. Um, but the other one was that. She, no one else showed up. It was just her. Uh, there was a lot of talk that, you know, Jay-Z would make an appearance or Drake would make an appearance or other people that she's collaborated with would make an appearance. But and I, you know what? I, I kind of like it because last year that wasn't like a an appearance heavy one, you know, where there was a lot of people out there. 
I think you should kind of go back and forth a little bit. If you have someone who has 10 good songs, then let them sing their songs. They don't need to have like the Red Hot Chili Peppers come out for a song. Like I think who did that? Was that like Coldplay or something like that did one year where they had like a random band come out? You know, like if you got the songs, go for it. You know, like have those Super Bowls where you have a lot of people performing, have that be the halftime show, you know, but if you're going to have one person headline, let them headline. No, yeah. I guess the thing with Jay-Z, right? He was there. So <laughs> that makes it a little strained in some respects. But also, yeah, like how long did she play Umbrella for? 45 seconds, maybe? So you're going to go through Jay-Z having to like the whole like faff that would surround, you know, like the rehearsals he would have to have attended and the fact that that then kind of ruins probably the whole day. Like you're no longer watching the Super Bowl. You're, you know, waiting to go on and st- all that stuff. Yeah. Are you going to agree? If you're Jay-Z, you're going to be like, you want- we'll also run this town too. Yeah, I guess. But so what? You're going to have him do that for seven lines basically, you know, by the, in terms of how long he yeah. would have been up there. And all it would have done was been for people to get excited. If like Jay-Z yeah. had floated down on a platform, people were like, Oh my God, it's Jay-Z. Maybe that's why I didn't want to do it. He He's saw the platform heights. idea and he was like, fuck that. Because <laughs> that would have been my reaction. I mean, that is a possibility. <laughs> yeah, that definitely would have been my reaction. But I, yeah, I this like it was crazy to me that the opening song was Bitch Better Have My Money. I thought for sure Run This Town was a great opener. But to come right out and do the Bitch Better Have My Money, that was a bold move. And I should have seen that. Rihanna's, Rihanna's bold. I should have went for the uh, the bold option. It was 13 to 1, I think. Yeah, and she's smart, right? She managed to basically create a, her an ad for her makeup company in the middle of her Super Bowl halftime performance. Like, that she can clip that and distribute that everywhere. And, you know, so everything she did was smart. You can see why she's managed to become a billionaire. But uh, it was a good show. But I don't think... It's an all-time great Super Bowl show. How old is Rihanna, Eddie? Um, I would say she's probably a similar age to us. I'd say she's like 35. Yeah, she's 34. Yeah. Slightly younger than I thought. In a way, yeah, because she has been around. She got her start very young. That's why. Yeah. She's been around. I just thought because she's been around for so long that she had to be a little older, but yeah. she got her start very young. Yeah, she's been around longer than you almost think sometimes when you look back at when, you know, the years when those original hits came out. It is, it's a 20-year career, you know, so pretty much. So it's, you know, and I like that too because I do, I do think you have to be kind of a more mature sort of like senior elder statesman of the music industry to deserve getting a like the Katy Perry Super Bowl halftime show whilst it was enjoyable it just didn't feel to me like Katy Perry really deserves to have a halftime show wow you're gonna get shit for this one too (laughs) but Rihanna does feel like she deserves like I you know I think you have to be you have to have you have to kind of have that dynasty almost behind you as a musician to warrant getting that spot and sometimes it feels like there are you know some artists who get it where it's like well we're going to look back on this like Katy Perry is not going to age she's going to stand out 
20, 30 years from now, when people look back on Super Bowl halftime performers, they're going to be like, wait, Katy Perry got a Super Bowl halftime show? What you have, like two albums that kind of performed pretty well, and then she became a reality TV show like judge? Like that's the career that got her a Super Bowl halftime show? Like Shots fired. Yeah, I know. All the Katy Perry, Perry fans and stands can come at me. Yeah, so Ponda Replay was released in 2004. So you're looking at 18 years ago, her first big song. Yeah. It's a hell, it's a hell of a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. And I guess you weren't able to see the commercials um, due to, or most of them, I would say, probably. No, no, I saw all the commercials. Music issues yeah oh, i thought there was music issues from for hearing them <laughs> so for a couple of the commercial breaks uh yes for reasons unknown music was played over them in the bar but i, I probably well i saw all the commercials had the sound on for i would say 80 percent of them i didn't think that any of the commercials were particular standouts it didn't feel like a year aside from the weird jesus commercials i uh didn't feel like there were any that really left a lasting impression on me. And I don't say that those Jesus commercials did not want me, make me want to go to church today. Yeah, there weren't many uh, good ones. I have to say the, the um, Ben Affleck Dunkin' Donuts one actually wasn't too bad. They just played heavily into Ben Affleck being from Boston and, using you know being a bostonian and that kind of actually worked because it was it was a pretty short commercial wasn't super super long and he had some good jokes in there so i thought that was a pretty good one did not like the clueless one i'm very tired of people 30 years later trying to look like they did 30 years ago and have it not look so great but kind of look good but then when you look up close you're just like holy shit that looks terrible i'm really sick of that can we just put an end to that alicia silverstone doesn't have to look like she's still 18 30 years later, like it's weird. It's kind of awkward. Um, so that kind of creeped me out a little bit. The the Gronk one, I still don't fucking get what that was about. That FanDuel kick one. I don't, I don't get it. It was really weird. It wasn't uh, with, good. With Kay Adams, who was asking him the, like in the press conference, asking him the question, that one. Well, no, it was like he had to, he had to do the kick for $10 million oh. live field goal or something. And Adam Vinteri was his coach and, he missed it really badly. I, I I didn't really get it, but yeah, not not very many like nothing really memorable at all. Or I feel like the bubble bland. I feel like the bubble it's may gone. have burst over. on the Super Bowl because I think there's a lot of companies now who just feel like it's not value for money. And I think maybe previously, right, it would the idea would have been it's like kind of a statement having like you think differently about a company once they've had. A Super Bowl halftime, like it kind of proves you deserve to be there. The company that stood out from that respect to me a little bit was like Squarespace, who had the Adam Driver yeah. commercial, commercial, which was interesting. Although, I mean, a lot of them, it's just like, I, I don't know if this makes me want to use Squarespace. Like, oh. I'm going to remember, I guess. Nickelodeon Ultra had a few. Yeah. Uh, but I, I like tried I, to redo the Caddyshack. I think if I were running a, you know, multi billion dollar company and my, like marketing or ad team came to me and said, look, we can have a Super Bowl commercial. I think I'd probably say, I don't, I don't know. We 
I don't think we need it. Like, I don't know how this is necessarily going to, there are certain types of companies or products where it could obviously impact their business. But for most people, like, are you going to buy Michelob Ultra because they had a Super Bowl halftime show? You know, like, does it make you think differently about them as a brand? Because they had a, like, even if it had been the coolest, like, sure. I mean, maybe Budweiser where they had that period where they had some good ones, maybe that made you more likely to buy a Bud. I don't know, but it still seems strange to me. The worst one I saw was the Remy Martin, Serena Williams. She absolutely ruined Al Pacino's yeah. Any Given Sunday speech. Unsurprisingly. If, I mean, any... It just, it really upset me. And I don't have an issue with Serena Williams, but that is a very iconic speech. And if you're going to at least do it, do it. It was as if she was reading cue cards. It was not good at all. And then when you put all together, I don't even understand what the hell the commercial is talking about. Like they're promoting an alcohol, like, uh, and there was like marching bands and like restaurants. And it was, it was a dumb commercial and it was done poorly. And it, you don't take something iconic like that and ruin it. If you're going to do it, you need to make sure it's done right. And it was not. That was a fail. Epic fail. <laughs> Even like the Caddyshack Michelob Ultra, I, I, would, I kind of didn't like because it's another like you're taking an iconic movie that everyone loves and they didn't do it any better. Like there was some okay parts, but I think overall that was even kind of a fail. Like it wasn't that funny. Yeah. No, I did. I did read an article, but like speaking about the ads in some respects about the, like, you know, quarterbacks, the like iconic line of saying, what are you going to do now? And it's like, I'm going to Disney, Disney world. I did read an article about the history of that and uh, how much they get paid there. It's an offer, an annual offer from Disney that it's $75,000 to and a free all expenses paid trip to the Di- next day to Disney world for you. And they your- ha- I think they have to go like the next day. Usually I don't know. I think I saw Patrick Mahomes is there already. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I think that, I think it, it's, I think it's whenever you want, really. I just think people do it, but yeah, it's, um, I, I read, read an article all about the, the origin story of that, uh, which was pretty interesting. Um, and that's, there's one example of some kind of advertising that comes through the Super Bowl That's actually, actually worthwhile. Phil Simms was the first quarterback to ever say it. So he's got that on his CV. Who's the first one? Phil Simms was. Yeah. So basically it huh. all came about because Iger, the CEO of Disney was out to dinner can't remember who it was with and it was like a couple who had just gone around the world i think they'd done the first non-stop flight to circumnavigate the world something like that and he asked them like well now that you've done that what are you gonna do and the woman <laughs> said like kind of i think it was like semi-jokingly or whatever i'm gonna go to disney world and then they kind of like <laughs> laughed about it, but then thought like, that's actually like a really great, like what's next? I'm going to Disney world is a great like ad campaign. And so then he offered the two quarterbacks in that year's Super Bowl 
the offering them each $75,000, like if they won to say that. And ever since then, it's a standing offer of $75,000. And uh, interestingly, it doesn't seem to have increased over time. So now I don't know why Patrick Mahomes particularly cares about getting $75,000. I, I mean, it's it's $75,000 for saying four words. So it's actually... But then you have to go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess you don't... Ta- I don't know if you have to. I, from what I can understand from the offer, it's like $75,000 to say it. And then you also get thrown in the all expenses paid trip. But I don't know if you necessarily have Because I to. always see it. It's like, it's always usually the day after. Like, they're always there that next day. I mean, I guess so it's kind of weird. What else are you going to do? And it's probably fun. Like, I mean, it's cool. Sleep. If, <laughs> yeah. It's probably cool to take you and, you know, all your family and friends on a fully comped trip to, to Disney. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. If I had no kids, I don't know if I'd necessarily want to do it, but. I take the seventy-five thousand. Well, he's got two, so <laughs> he's got two and a brother that's worse than a kid. So <laughs> oh, his brother is TikToked all over Disney by now. <laughs> but yeah, I guess that it wraps up the NFL season. I think it went. Oh, I know we had this discussion pretty much as the playoffs started. For me, it went really quickly. And now it's a long time. You kind of get to the end of the NFL season. You're like, oh, it's not till September. We're going to get get that again. It, it does feel like it's a, it's a long old break. Well, Eddie, then you didn't watch the commercials well enough. For the USFL? Because we're, we're only several weeks away from football. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I'll pass on the USFL. But, I mean, I guess we'll next episode talk about the last of us we're also not far away from mandalorian season new season oh. season three of mandalorian season yep. three right that's march 1st ted lasso soon ted lasso soon so top chef <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so at least the tv picks up and the last of us we'll discuss it in more detail but i thought that was a great episode of the last of us yeah, I, let's let's save that for the next episode so we can dissect a little bit. But that I think was, I thought that was probably the best episode. Probably. Um, Have you recovered you know, from the spoiler from the previous episode? No, and in fact, I've gotten several messages from other people that are not happy. <laughs> Let me put it that way. You have pissed off quite a good group of people. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yeah. No. Not. Not good. Great job there on that one. But maybe, right. who knows? Maybe they, maybe it won't happen. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's just an epic spoiler. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it's all out there, right? It's like trying to say you could have spoiled season three of Game of Thrones, right? The or like, like it's all there. The information's publicly available but season three of game of thrones happened seven years ago (laughs) no i know but i mean if it had been in the moment you know like yeah but actually i i would argue that it wasn't though like there was several big spoiler type events that weren't spoiled (laughs) they would have been if i had the podcast back then i'm sure they would have been (laughs) Maybe I'll make that. I'll just spoil everything about The Last of Us 
I'll go play the video game and then just week by week. I think in, I think in episode five this will happen based on based <laughs> on the gameplay I just had. Yeah. Hey, look All in the video right, game. Well, uh, what's the name of the little kid? Sam. In this episode, he's not deaf. He's not deaf, so maybe he won't die. You know, like they're they're mixing everything up. Well, everything's changed. All right, yeah, so let's save that for next episode. I'll, I'll talk to you later. See ya. Cheerio.